We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What is up, soccer fans, and welcome to another episode of Soccer Talks with me, Ali Trost-Martin, brought to you by our friends at Emprise Bank. You can open an account with Emprise Bank in less than five minutes. The savings just start there, though. Emprise is a trusted partner with a variety of products and services to help you achieve your goals. So do not be tethered to a brick building. Start a meaningful relationship with a bank that has your best in mind. That is Emprise Bank. And now, so excited to introduce our guest on today's show. He is an MLS insider, has all of the scoops. Tommy Scoops is what we call him. If you are in the weeds on everything going on in Major League Soccer, even if you're not, you've probably seen his name pop up on your Twitter timeline. He is Tom Bogert, MLSsoccer.com, and he is joining me today on the show to talk all things World Cup, U.S. Men's National Team, MLS, and so much more. We get into mustaches and some other fun topics. So please welcome Tom Bogert to the Soccer Talks podcast. Welcome back to the Soccer Talks podcast, episode number three. So we are going big. Tom Bogert, MLS insider, enjoying the World Cup, enjoying the MLS offseason, which is probably still a busy time for him while the rest of us kind of relax and get ready for uh, the year ahead. So Tom, how's it been going balancing both World Cup and MLS offseason moves? We have some big ones that we'll talk about. Hey, Ali, thanks for having me as always. Yeah, in, enjoying is, is an interesting way to describe it. It's, uh, it's definitely been very busy. And, and yeah, I, I am still stuck into all the offseason news, the normal reporting. Um, it, it's been fun for some people on Twitter joking around. Like, you know, hey, man, like, you know, the World Cup's on. Like, I, I was talking about like the re-entry draft, like a couple minutes before Mexico played Poland and, and what amounted to almost a, like a must win. And I was like, yeah, like, I know that this is for 2% of people, not, not the rest of you, but I'm stuck here. What do you want me to do? <laughs> You know what? Twitter just, you can't please everybody. If there's one thing I've learned, it's like you can never be appropriate with the timing of anything that you say <laughs> or do because someone is right there to uh, to jump down your yep. throat. And I know that you know that just as well as anyone. But while you have been balancing all of the MLS 
news and notes and things like that. You have been enjoying the World Cup. We all have. It's been hard not to. I think it's been um, a fun one, even though now we're about a week removed. We're recording this on a Wednesday from the United States being eliminated, a loss to the Netherlands. Now that we've kind of had some time to process what this World Cup has meant for USMNT, if you take a 30,000 foot view, what is your assessment of the 2022 World Cup for the United States and what it means in the grand scheme of things, given, um, well, the fact that they missed out on the last World Cup and they're going to be uh, here in 2026? Yeah, so obviously the last World Cup was an outlier. That that just making the World Cup shouldn't be the expectation. It should be progressing. Um, getting to the knockout rounds, I, I thought was just about meeting expectations. You know, there were some good performances. There were some lackluster parts of it you know nothing was perfect but nothing was you know totally imperfect so it's 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 weird i think how nuanced that i'm coming away from it with because look like uh defensively they were really good um th- there was a lot of a lot to like um people were talking about rotation and and you know may that that's to blame as to why they lost to the netherlands i don't i don't know how much i buy it because i think that people would have jumped down the coaching staff's throat if they rested some like if tyler adams didn't play against england or something like that and like that England game was a really good performance. The Wales first half was really good. The Wales second half was a little disappointing. And, and I'm not sure how much it comes down to, you know, what is systemic or what is structural versus what was okay. Like maybe Aronson didn't make the make right run or maybe Sargent didn't have the right finish. Or you, you know what I mean? Whether it's individual plays or, or how much it came down to structure. I thought the structure was good. Um, I thought that the Netherlands very deservedly won. I think that the, the overall, the overarching feeling is going to be the recency end of the knockout game that, a little disappointing in that it, it never felt close. It, it never felt close. Even after the Dutch scored that first goal, it was still a one-goal game, but it didn't it didn't feel close. And then 2-0 after halftime. And then there was 90 seconds of hope, 90 seconds of, okay, here we go, 12 minutes left. They're going to kind of push, and, and this will be fun, you know, whether they win or lose. And 90 seconds after Haji Wright scores with a bad touch, um, they can see it again. And, and the goals all seem kind of avoidable, just, in, you know, tracking runners and, and being a little bit better at the back post. So, uh, it, it's a lot of words to say. Like I thought that it was fine. I got I wasn't an A plus. It wasn't a failure. I thought you B minus B B maybe a little bit better. I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think going into this, just the fact that you know, whew, exhale, they qualified, get out of the group stage. And I think everybody would have been very happy regardless of what happened in the round of 16. That's kind of how I walked away from mm-hmm. it. And like you said, it didn't ever really feel close. I like your note on, you know, maybe it being less a structural collapse and more so just like poor individual moments that Mm. maybe showed us a little bit of, Hey, this team still has a lot yet um, individually and collectively to, to kind of put together in order to really compete with a team like the Netherlands, who I thought was just a better team um, that entire game for the most part. I I didn't think that the U.S., in my opinion, watching uh, the game back and and reading, you know, a lot of different analysis on it, it just, it never felt like watching it. If they came back, it would have been (laughs) almost like, you know, a a lot of good luck would have had to happen for the U.S. Yeah. And look, like I, the, the difference, I I think that, that I get caught in arguing with people about, you know, talent versus potential and, you, you go back through the whole Royal Cup qualifying process and, and selecting groups and, oh my God, why is this player here? It should be that player who plays for the second team in, in Spain or, you know, whatever it is. Like, ta- like this group has a ton of potential. It's, it also has plenty of talent, but like a lot of times I think we get confused in setting these expectations with like, 
the core is 20 to 23 or 19 and 23 until Musa turned to 20 years old. Not that Gio Reyna was, you know, physically unable or whatever. Everything was going on there with that kind of cloud around the team that like this is early prime. Like these aren't players that are that are often supposed to carry your group. These aren't players that are supposed to be the consistent. They're not. They're, well, you're not supposed to have a 23 year old captain like Tyler Adams is exceptional. And he's going to be in his prime when this, when the 2026 World Cup. Same thing with Pulisic. Same thing with Weston McKinney. Same thing with Tim Way. You go down the line. So, on one hand, like yeah, like there is a lot of talent. But on the other hand, like a lot of what we're looking at is potential. Like Tim Weah has what like a season and a half of of not of being like fully fit. Like Christian Pulisic, how often has he been? Like did he have one season as a regular starter for Chelsea? Gio Reyna hasn't really put together a full season because of injuries. Like you catch kind of go down the line, and it's like. Oh yeah, like these this group has a chance and has a chance to do something special, but like maybe 2022 wasn't the year. And that's not to like lower all the expectations or excuse it and be like, oh well, like we they tried their best. Like there are reasons to criticize, there are reasons to hope. Like again, some of those individual mistakes just because a player is young or just because it's an older player who, you know, you don't look at as like, you know, say the Walker Zimmerman penalty, like you go, oh man, like hopefully in 2026, Chris Richards will be playing for a mid-table or a top like Premier League team or a German team. Like that doesn't excuse the mistake by Walker Zimmerman, right? So like, I don't know. It it, it doesn't make for great podcast. Doesn't make for great you know content. But like, I, it it all feels kind of just about right to me. Yeah. No. I I I think I I couldn't agree more. And that kind of brings me to my next question now. With all the potential that this team does have, and the fact that a lot of these guys are going to be in their prime come twenty twenty six. Does there need to be a change at the top? The USSF is currently in talks with manager Greg Berhalter about his next contract, what that's going to look like. Do you think he is the guy that take this team and unlock some of that potential that a lot of these guys have? Or have we kind of hit the ceiling and Berhalter out? We need we need a, some fresh eyes, some fresh kind of approach and tactics in, in the building. I, I see both sides for sure. Like uh, I'll start off with that. I think that he's been wildly like over criticized again. He, he's not perfect, but he, he did a lot of things right. And, and they've done a lot of things in terms of development, recruitment uh, tactics can be frustrating sometimes, but you know, you, you look back at the group stage, they were the only team to not concede during the run of play. Like there was a lot of things that I, I think were right. And, and, you know, look, it's the old joke of, I believe it was Yogi Love who said this, like about Germany when he was the German national team manager. He's like, yeah, we have a country of 10 million national team managers every every time we play, right? So, like, I, I understand that there's always going to be criticism and stuff, but I, I thought that he did well. Like, getting to the World Cup, getting to the knockout round, um, winning the Gold Cup, all these other things that, that they did, I think, were positives. I also understand the idea that, okay, like, that can be true, and also maybe it's time to go in a different direction. A lot of this is tough because you can't, you know, they, there, are, there are always talks. There's intermediaries. There are ways around it. But, like, out of respect, you can't really gauge all right who would the next person be but like i'm never a fan of change just for the sake of change like i'm not i like i'm not entirely sure who's out there or who might be interested who might not be interested so i think that the their contracts end at the end of december and like it's important to point out that jeff carlisle vspn like reported that they're just you know preliminary talks or whatever burhalter might have his own ambitions like there has been i'd heard uh for over however many months you know leading up to the world cup that you know, he's content with the contract ending when it does because maybe he'll go and t- uh, look for a European club job. So, you know, it, it depends on what both parties want, what both parties kind of view this project as. Um, I, I like I'm, I'm not firmly in either camp. Like I, this is one of them. Again, uh, I'm not coming in here very strong, but this is one that, you know, 
I think he's a fine option. I think that maybe there are better options out there, but I don't think you just make a change for the sake of making a change. 100%. Speaking of rumblings that you've heard of, is there anyone, whether that you've um, heard of that might be interested or maybe just in your own opinion, someone that you think has the credentials and, and could be fit for what this job requires? I would love Jim Curtin to get a chance, but, you know, again, like, how dissimilar, I guess, from, from Greg Berhalter. And like, again, like Jim has a really strong resume in MLS um, that Berhalter did too, before he took over. So I don't know if that, you know, appeases everybody or, or if they want it to actually go in, in a really different direction. I'd love the idea of Jesse Marsh as well. Um, I understand that maybe like there are, I thoughts that maybe his game wouldn't adapt to the international stage very well. And, and I just don't think that we're giving enough credit to these guys in that they can tweak what they do, tweak the system, tweak whatever it is that, th that they need to adapt. I think that they're very adaptable, particularly Jesse, like just look at his career and where he's adapted, what he's done to get to Leeds where he is. So I don't know if, if he would leave Leeds for this. Like there was a point where this wouldn't be a discussion because it, it looks like he was about to get fired about a month and a half ago. <laughs> but as of right now, he's in the job. They're, they're doing better. And like, I don't know what the pull is versus being a premier league manager or being the national team manager. So I like, I would love in the, or like, Hey, like imagine like an all-star staff of, of Jesse Marsh and Jim Curtin kind of as Jim with the, the most overqualified assistant like ever. Like, I don't like <laughs> that. That would kind of be like a dream. Like, again, I, I have no idea what Jesse wants, what, you know, the situation with Leeds is. I, these, these would be the couple that come off the top of my head. They're, uh, people have been floating around other options of, you know, these big name managers that are either out of contract or, or whatever, like Zidane was floated out. It's like, do you, I don't think that that's realistic, right? Like there's just, so, so there are, are options out there, but you know, again, if we're, if the most realistic that I could think of, I think would be like Jesse Marsh. And, and again, I don't even know if that's realistic. Yeah. Leeds America, baby. Let's go. <laughs> that was, that would be my, that would be my ideal pick if a change were to be made. And like you said, it's hard to know yeah. what, each individual is really looking for when it comes to their ideal yeah. job. Cause at the end of the day, it's a job for them. So <laughs> hard to remember I, I, that. Sometimes. I will say that there, there is still a whole lot of pull for the U S national team job. This is the most high profile, I guess, job to the, the casual or just the average American fan like this, you know, more people would know more people. I think know who Greg Berhalter is than Jesse Marsh because he's the national team manager versus like in Jesse Marsh is his trailblazer and doing just incredible things at, at Leeds and in Europe. But I think that this job really does have pull. So that said, kind of in that same vein, what do you think that this World Cup did? I mean, there were some incredible numbers for viewership here in the States, um, despite a little fumble early on um, from SportsCenter social media, trying to like piece together the most random, yeah. probably not even all that good team of soccer players in other sports. Despite that, it feels like we started to go in a positive direction after that. Um, I know being here in Kansas City, just like the number of fans showing up, especially young fans. That's what mm -hmm. really impressed me. Mm -hmm. I think World Cup watch parties like of 10,000 people probably appeal to a younger audience anyway. <laughs> but regardless, I was still really impressed just by like the sheer number of like young college age and even younger fans that showed up um, of all ages to this thing. Like, what do you think that this World Cup did uh, in helping build that momentum and make soccer cool? Because I think that's kind of just what we need. <laughs> yeah, look, there's nothing there's nothing bigger in soccer in, in, in this country than the World Cup. Like there are there are a ton of just normal soccer fans here that will be watching World Cups, Champions League, wh whatever their league of choice is. 
Uh, but there is like a whole host of, of cats, like people who watch the Olympics and stuff like that, right? Or people who aren't NFL fans that watch the Super Bowl. It is a prestige event. It's the biggest soccer event. So it, it's always fun to see that kind of latch on. And I don't think that it's realistic to expect all these people to continue to be soccer fans. Or, okay, like 10,000 people went. Like Sporting Kansas City is going to have 9,000 people asking for season tickets more than usual next season. Like, I don't think that that's realistic. But every time that these events happen and people that have open minds that that maybe have you know, the younger age is a perfect way to put it because you usually you're not totally set in your ways. You're not totally set in how you always spend your time and you're open to more things. And hey, oh, this soccer thing was cool. Maybe I'll check out again. So like I think it's more incremental than huge. But again, it continues to build. These numbers always get bigger. And as we're getting to the 2026 World Cup, like that's kind of the one that you can really use as a launching pad to to make it more formative in adding legitimate fans and legitimate supporters who kind of care about all this rather than again you're just always going to have casuals who come in every four years for the world cup because it's the biggest event in the world it's it's a party all that stuff and like that's all great and it's cool that even the world cup resonates here on that level and then it's about i guess add a keeping the, a, a number of those people in in at the party for you know mls premier league uh regular national team games outside of the world cup and, and everything else you're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. And MLS, obviously one of the biggest ones hoping to be the beneficiary in all of this. And 2023 is set to be a year full of a lot of change in Major League Soccer. You've got Apple TV, um, the new broadcast mm -hmm. rights deal kicking off next year. You've got the addition of a League's Cup. Teams are going to be playing upwards of what, like 50 games between Open Cup, League's Cup, regular yeah. season play, playoff uh, soccer as well. And then a lot of talk that's kind of quieted down, but was definitely going on about a, another change to the MLS cup playoff format, which would really be very interesting. <laughs> I don't get me started. I actually like, I am personally a fan of going back to like the aggregate two leg. Yeah. I think that's the best way. If the big concern is, Hey, we need more time. It goes by too quick. We need to drum up some of these storylines. Um, to me, that's the best way to one, still keep it competitive and have a lot at stake while being able to really like build up these teams, build up these players hmm. and get that interest going. The only negative would be that for the average American sports fan that you want to tune in, they don't really understand. Yeah. Wait, that doesn't make sense. It's not one and done. Why am I watching this game? <laughs> um, what say you about just the state of 2023 MLS and 
opinions on all of the changes. And you said you, you weren't a fan of some of that playoff change talk. No, I hope it stays as is. I understand the 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 aggregate format, but I, I really do like the single elimination knockout. I think that it's it's a lot of fun. Like, and I think that you know this year it was cool to see the the top team in each conference. Like, I love that. I just don't want to devalue the regular season anymore. Like, that's why yeah. I didn't like the idea that that was floated out of potential talks of like a group stage type of playoffs because then like why would the average person care about an MLS game in June, right? So again, right. I understand. Like, There's already kind of a problem with yeah. like the fact that you could literally be um, a below 500 team going into late July mm -hmm. and like sporting Kansas City this last year, we're probably just two wins away from making the playoffs <laughs> after sitting at the bottom of the, the Western Conference for majority of the season. <laughs> yeah, and again, but like like part of that is going again, but they didn't even turn it over to, to get over the playoff line. Toronto didn't either when everybody said, oh, who cares if they're losing in the first day? If here comes Insigne, he's going to solve everything. So I, I do think that the regular season is mattering enough. It's a little bit more than it used to be, particularly with people caring about the supporter shield and whatnot. So again, I... I I do like the the home field advantage single knockout stuff. Um, in terms of this year, I'm I'm super excited. Look, like I I'm very curious to see how exactly the League's Cup goes. I'm optimistic and bullish on it because I think that any time that League MX and MLS can have competitions and play against each other in meaningful ways, like that's really great. Um, I understand the concerns about stopping the season for a month, but there's going to be all of these games and and look like, as long as the players aren't getting overworked which you know again for a team like philadelphia is in the CONCACAF champions league as well so they have mls regular season expecting to be in the postseason ccl which is at least two games you'd imagine that they're if they get to the semifinals that's six games um leagues cup depends on how far they go that's another you know three to five or six games playoffs all that and then before you know it like you were pointing out like that's 50 plus games right there like that's a lot in in this time frame so as long as they don't overdo it on like the midweek games to try to make the calendar work. Like I'm all for it. Have you gotten the sense in any teams that you've been talking to that the way in which they're going to go about roster construction this off season is a little bit different given that there are going to be more games. How are teams kind of approaching this now with all that's to come? Yeah. I mean, depth is always a big concern and you know, it's, it's always difficult in a salary cap league and, and every, like all the constraints that come with MLS versus elsewhere in the world, because players don't want to be backups. They don't want to play five to eight games a season. So it's always, it's a constant battle of improving and keeping depth, but like talking to Philadelphia union just traded for Andres Perea from uh, Orlando city. And I was talking to people at the club. I was like, look, I just want to be, like, this doesn't mean anything about like Jose Martinez or Leon flock or, or one of your starters getting sold. Right. And they're like, because I'm like, you have at least five starter quality players for four spots and then two really exciting young players. Like, that is there one too many? And they're like, we're going to play 55 games this year. Like, we need all of these players. Like, I like this. So I have gotten that sense from teams that, like, they are really, con not concerned, but, but really trying to be forthright about ensuring that there's depth and that they don't get to a situation during the year where a couple injuries just spirals your season out of control. And, like, what happened with SKC last year, that's two DPs really difficult to to overcome that for anybody regardless so like as long as it's not like something cataclysmic like that then like again teams are are very very cognizant of building depth speaking of sporting kansas city they recently just retained graham zussi roger espinoza andre ufantas but in all the reports it's very clear that, you know, they're definitely going to go out and make some moves even after finding the success they did at the end of last year, um, bringing in Eric Tommy in the midfield and then Willie Agata mm -hmm. up top. Right center back seems to be a, a spot that Sporting Kansas City could certainly use um, a very high caliber player. Where else 
would you look for this Sporting KC team to get better? And where do you kind of rank them right now going into 2023, knowing that the rankings are always going to rile up the fans and are always <laughs> so, so hard to do? <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a power ranking list off the top of my head, but um, I'm yeah. Center back is definitely big and it depends on what Andre Fontas looks like. He dipped really hard last year after a 2021 season that I think I had him as a finalist for uh, defender of the year. If not, like I, I viewed him as one of the best defenders in, in the league that year. And last year it, it wasn't quite that. So they really need to hit on that other center back. They, they maybe could use another one. Just again, we're talking about depth. The, the big one that last year that sunk them for me was they didn't exact, they didn't have a, a good plan at defensive midfield. It was um, Uri Rosell who hadn't played at, you know, 1800 minutes in a season since like 2014 or something. Right. And, and it was Jose Marie who, you know, he was cut after 20 minutes on the first game. So like that wasn't a great plan. So it depends on if, if they see Remy Voltaire as that 100%, you're going to be our starter there and Uri Rosell is going to be backup. Or if they want to bring in another number six and say, okay, Remy can play there, but also he can play as an eight. Like we can kind of juggle the lineup. So outside of the central defense, you, you, you hit it. Like that's the first concern and they, they really need to get, not just a, a good starter, but like an above average starter. Cause that, that'll help a lot. But the second spot again would be defensive midfield. Okay. A couple more because we went to Twitter to get some questions for you, Tom Bogert. And my favorite one was if you could force any MLS player to grow a mustache of your caliber for anybody watching this podcast, um, Tom Bogert is famously known for that stash. Who would you, uh, who would you go to, to, to grow one of those bad boys? I see. I, I default on this one usually to, to John Tolkien, just cause a fellow New Jersey kid. Um, I, 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 the mullet and all that stuff. I think he'd just look absolutely electric with, with that mustache on the mullet, but you know, then there, there's always kind of like a more conservative option. Like, uh, like, I don't know, a guy like Julian Gressel, like he has he has a podcast and he's got a, a brilliant personality. And, and I'm not sure how many people knew that about him before he had the podcast. So I think it'd be funny if Julian did, too, you know, a really, really nice haircut, clean shaven, uh, um, you know, everything styled right. And but then he just bang, like had like a bushy mustache in there. Okay, one of the big signings this offseason, Portland Timbers signing Evander, Brazilian attacking midfielder. Your thoughts on that move by Portland? Certainly not a depth move that they made. <laughs> yeah, they um they knew they had clarity from early summer that their plan this offseason was to bring in a, a designated player number 10 and a significant like addition at that. You know, the they you know, you don't always set out to, you know, club record signing, but they knew from the beginning of this that like, hey, if, if the right target is for this price, like we'll we'll make the funds and then we'll get it done. Um, I, I was talking to people about this, like kind of after after the signing was announced that I was like, we, I'm sure that you identified that he was a good player the same way that a lot of teams can identify that Messi is a good player. Or, you know, Ricky Pooch is a good player before he went to the Galaxy. Right. So I was like, he's leading the Europa League in, in assists. He's 24 years old. He's you know, linked with Galatasaray, teams in England, Rangers, whatever, in like a couple of rounds. I was like, where well, was part of you? Like, yeah, this is this is a really low probability move. Like, what are the chances that we convince a 24-year-old Brazilian to leave the Europa League and go to MLS rather than, say, you know, a mid-table Premier League team or a mid-table German team? They're like, yeah, like, you know, honestly, we, we you know, we weren't like pessimistic, but like, you know, why not try or, or why not kind of talk? And, and then it was clear after, you know, speaking with him and he believed in our project, and like we believe he had the right motivations, all that stuff that it's like, oh, wow, like we like this is a realistic possibility. And they were able to get it over the line. They credited FC Michelin, who are, you know, well versed in selling players. They're they're known for getting young players and, and moving them on across Europe. So that's not this is something that they're used to. And it was just kind of a really 
interesting profile. Really reminds you of the Kucha Hernandez signing that Columbus made. Like, we're going to see more of this, more and more of this in MLS. Like, people are going to leave, you know, teams that aren't in top five leagues or like the fringes of the top five leagues and come to MLS and then hope in a couple years that like Miguel Marone went to Newcastle, that that's going to work for them. And it's just a really exciting new pathway. Yeah, and very exciting for MLS as well. Definitely going to only keep rising the level of competition uh, here in our league domestically. But my last question for you, Tom, the path to becoming an MLS insider. You did this, like, I feel really during the pandemic is when you started to kind of hit that that upwards trajectory. I can say it, you're pretty young. Like, how did you get into this whole thing? Yeah, winding road. I mean, I, I knew that I wanted to do... Uh, sports journalism, I, I figured out at some point early in high school that, hey, maybe I'm not going to become a professional soccer player at 5'7 and not exactly very fast, but with a great touch. We all um, had that moment in our, in our <laughs> life, by the way. Um, so, like, uh, you know, I, I, I liked English and history. And so rather than like math and science and, you know, I stumbled into like a journalism class in high school. I was like, wait a minute, you can just, you know, write and talk about sports like for a living. Like, I love I love that idea. Uh, so that kind of helped shape me on that path. And I played uh, collegiate soccer at a school in New Jersey outside, just outside of New York City, which helped a lot with kind of internships. And then so, you know, one thing leads to another. And then like I'm, I'm freelance writing and I, I luckily get brought into MLS and then just, you know, kind of built from there. And, and again, it was confluence of, of hard work and, and a lot of good luck. Save those phone numbers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tom, thank you so much for the time. Where can everybody follow along as you will be, I'm sure, doing what you do best, <laughs> tweeting out all of the updates, the news. We didn't even get to hit on a lot of it, but just go through his Twitter timeline if you're trying to stay up to date on everything going on in MLS this offseason. Yeah, just add Tom Bogan on Twitter. And I unfortunately am permanently, terminally online, so you'll, you'll see me on Twitter. <laughs> the worst part of this job, hands down. <laughs> um, but Tom, thank you so much for the time. We'll talk to you again soon. Always got time for you, of course. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN, covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.